Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Lorefield podcast. I'm your co-host, Mitch, alongside my wonderful partner in space crime, Isra. Hello. It is January 2022, so we're in a new year of uncertainty and confusion and chaos, but we are also in the year of Starfield's release. Knock on wood, we should be playing Starfield this year, and that giddies up my buttercup. Isra, did you do anything special for the new year? Um, Not really. I'll be honest. Well, actually, that's a lie. For the new year, I've gotten all of the BGS um, single-player game achievements on my Xbox account. That's impressive. In every game. In every game. From Oblivion to Fallout 4. You are missing Fallout 76. Is that next on the list? I'm I'm gonna stick to the single play games because with seventy six I've gotten nearly all of them on Steam. Oh okay. And there's two that are really grindy, and I really don't want to do that again. Unfortunately. That's fair. That is a monumental achievement. Congratulations. That's a worthy uh, New Year's celebration. I took some time away from Starfield and like gaming in general, actually for most of the last like month or so during this holiday period so i was traveling and spending time with family so it was nice to sort of like hit that reset button but now that i'm back and like engaging in like the starfield community and like was doing podcast prep i think the excitement levels are like higher than they've ever been so that's good really enthusiastic so it's it's normally here after this brief introductory section that we would get into the news but we were not blessed with any. It's been very quiet. In fact, December, fun fact, was the first month since July where we have not gotten any new Starfield concept art. We're in the, we're in the dark age right now. The dark age, indeed. It's been very sad. However, that did not stop the Starfield community from being the amazing group of people that it is. And a pretty big community find was made by Oda and Ad Astra Starfield. Both of them are friends of the show. Oda was our guest in episode four. Early in the trailer, there's a scene where the protagonist puts their weapon on the table and there are two green, like chip looking things on a table and they're stacked on each other. And when you enhance them, the one on top has some text and most of it's too small to make out, but it does say currency and legal tender on it. So grab a snack because I did a ridiculous, stupid amount of research. So, are you ready for a numismatics lesson? Absolutely. All right, cool. The first part of the numismatics lesson is that numismatics is the study of currency. So, currency is a very broad term that can take up a lot of different forms, and we should all know that living in this era of cryptomania. But these things in the trailer don't look like any real-world currencies. They're not paper money, and they don't look metallic either. After doing a bit of research into different metals that could be the basis of a commodity currency, I didn't find any strong candidates for what we see in the, in the trailer. A commodity currency, by the way, is a currency that has its value derived from the thing it's made of. So, for example, gold septums from the Elder Scrolls. So what could these things be? I'm leaning more toward the idea that they're some type of computerized device rather than commodity money. Firstly, they're the same shade of green that you'll often find on a circuit board, so that could be a clue in itself. More so consider the rhetoric from Bethesda about Starfield being a look into our own future. And often to look toward the future, one must look towards the past. So our currency has been rapidly evolving for the better part of a century. 
from the aforementioned rise of crypto to the continuous innovation on credit cards. Since their inception in the bank of a Mr. John Biggins of New York in the 1940s, credit cards have had a long history of evolution. They started as slips of paper that merchants gave the bank, who then billed the customer. Then in 1970, the magnetic swipe card was introduced, making the process much easier. And nine years after that, Visa launched the electronic card machine, further streamlining the process of purchasing on credit. Chip cards were introduced in the 80s and became widely used in Europe the following decade. Then in this century, contactless payment methods were created, which gained extremely wide use during this pandemic. So could these objects in the Starfield trailer be a further evolution of this technology? Maybe all these tablet things and like all cash registers, I use the word cash very loosely, are connected to a central network without the need for the currency to ever leave your pocket. So perhaps when you're standing in a store to check out, sensors on the floor read the signature of the device in your pocket and can conduct the transaction without you needing to do anything. So that's kind of my theory. The other thing is that this could be a crypto cold storage wallet or something of the like. And a crypto cold storage wallet is basically any device that enables you to load cryptocurrency and have it not be connected to the internet. I've never actually seen one in real life and they take a lot of different forms, but that could be something like what these things are. So major shout out to Oda and Ad Astra Starfield for discovering this. And thank you for <laughs> making me dive deep into numismatics. You didn't make me, but on my own accord, I, I decided to do that. And um, I learned some cool stuff, but unfortunately I didn't get too much relevant info about the, uh, the currency itself. Do you have any theories, Ezra? Um, if it's like a Visa debit card, then that would maybe like help explain like in Fallout, you can carry like two million caps and somehow you can hold that around with you. But if it's just a device you hold up, they scan it, they take the credits from your account and that's it. That would be a good law way to not have to carry around tons of sons of like Starfield dollars in your uh, in your pocket. Space bucks. Yes. No, I agree completely. And um to date, every single Bethesda game has had like a physical currency. There's never been like a, a credit system where you aren't carrying the entirety of the of the value of your currency with you. Um, it's always been caps and septums. So that'll be nice. It's always bothered me a little bit that the currency weighs nothing because once you get 80, 90, 100,000 gold in Skyrim, it I can still carry 500 other pounds of equipment. Like, it doesn't it doesn't add up literally. So this could be a cool change. And there was one other cool community find that was just made a few hours ago. Isra, do you want to tell us about that? Absolutely. So either today or yesterday, I, I was asleep. So admittedly, I was asleep. But there was a discovery, and they found a manual for that. Starfield watch from the behind the scenes video from E3 and it goes into like full detail so for functions uh, it has bluetooth has a clock yeah, sunrise sunset and moon phase sensor data like analog time barometric pressure 
XYZ accelerometer, XYZ magnetometer, watch temperature measurements. So the temperature measurement is very sensitive, showing changes as small as 0.01 degrees Celsius. It also has weather data, humidity, chance of precipitation, atmospheric pressure wind speed, and weather forecasts. It also has notifications and a white screen at full black light brightness. That is a lot for a watch that could come with the collector's edition. I won't lie. Uh, sounds pricey. Yeah, it sounds very pricey. I don't even know why you need a magnet sensor. I think that's what a magnetometer is. Like, do I really need that in my watch? So, okay, I should preface that by saying the watch is really cool and I'm going to throw my money at it. But um, a couple of these... Uh, I don't know. Is it overkill? And how many of these hint at in-game mechanics? Like, will the magnetometer serve use in the game? I really hope Todd answers these questions at E3. Because if, if it's like the Fallout 4 reveal, he's going to show some gameplay, some concept art, a trailer with a song, and then end the show. But this is a new IP, so hopefully... He explains a little bit more. For the last two game showcases Todd has done, Fallout 4 and Fallout 76, there was always that like collector's item. It was for both of them, it was a Pip Boy. But I feel like they could probably do the same thing with this watch. But now Todd could say, We made a real one that works without a phone. <laughs> You know, I have a weird feeling Todd's going to walk on E3 wearing that watch. Now that I think about it. Oh, that'd be cool. Top five things you missed at E3 2022 with Todd Howard. <laughs> and in the thumbnail is like a, a red circle over the watch. The other thing, um, this user manual is like really long. It has a lot of details. It's on the Lorefield Twitter um, if you want to check it out. Um, or pretty much any Starfield subreddit. But um, the temperature measurements are for the inside of the watch. They're not for your body temperature and they're not for the ambient temperature. It's like the, the inner workings of the watch so that it's to know if it's overheating or something. So that's sort of interesting. I feel like in the game, it's going to be measuring ambient temperature. There's no need to know the temperature of your watch when you're playing Starfield, I don't think. So that's probably a difference between the game version and the real-life version. Oh, and then also the, um, the barometric pressure, pressure, which is like wind readings, it compensates whatever's happening in the accelerometer. So you can wave your hand around, and there's a bunch of air flowing through the watch, and it won't change the barometric reading because it like accounts for that, which is pretty cool. Another thing is, this manual suggests that it's made by the one company who made the Fallout 76 pit boy, the uh, DIY kit, if I remember correctly, which is kind of interesting. But I don't think we're going to be able to build this ourselves. I think that would be way too complicated to build something like this. 
But I tell you what, I would buy this watch and I would wear it. And people ask me what it is, I go, Starfield. Starfield watch. <laughs> Say a, um, some kind of phrase or saying from Constellation, like into the Starfield or something. Oh yeah, I got over joining Constellation. We're the last group of space explorers in the year 2330. You should join us. It just walks <laughs> I... off and doesn't explain anything else. <laughs> Whenever someone asks me about that watch, I'm going to hold my fist in the air triumphantly and yell into the star field and explain nothing about the watch. <laughs> just walk away. Yeah. I, I cannot wait for E3 night. That is, that is going to be special. Though it'll be like one in the morning here, probably. So I'll probably be screaming and like the neighbors are confused. I wonder how long it's going to be. I think with, so last year Bethesda did the joint showcase with Microsoft, but I think this year with Redfall coming out, Starfield, and I think they have one other that's escaping me. I feel like they need to do their own show. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. Uh, at E3, they probably might show the this um, not the Sun. Uh, they might show the Deathloop Xbox trailer for oh, yeah. when the exclusivity deal comes out, and they'll want to market that for Xbox, I think. But I'm not sure how how that's gonna work because they're gonna the deal ends after a year, but I think Microsoft should still be able to market. An Xbox version for after that date. But definitely Redfall would get a panel, I think. I think Redfall could get like a... What Doom 2016 got in 2015, you know. About 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Mm. Before the thing everyone wants to watch. <laughs> it would be cool to lead off with Redfall. It's just a dream, but if Todd revealed Elder Scrolls 6 as subtitle at E3 just so people could get a little hyped for their next project but I don't think that's going to happen but that's just a dream I have imagine he just name drops it right before getting off the stage like we hope you enjoy Starfield and uh, I don't know we'll, sh we'll be back in a few years to show you the Elder Scrolls 6 hammer <laughs> and then walks off and everyone just starts screaming and cheering like crazy well, it's all virtual. There won't be anybody. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be reaction compilations. Yeah, those are always fun. So that is pretty much all the updates we have. I think next month we'll have probably a new end of the Starfield video to talk about. I did a little bit of date analysis, and they seem to release those um, at the end of the month. Usually on a Friday. Two out of the three have been on Fridays. So I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks we'll get something. We're recording this in mid-January. So um, yeah, that should be something fun we can look forward to. But in the meantime, with this lack of news, I thought it would be a good time to do something a little bit different. So Isra and I, we talked before the show, and we're going to do 10 details that you may have missed from pretty much any of the Starfield stuff, whether it's the trailer or the concept arts, we are each going to provide five things that we don't think the community may have given enough attention to, things that you may have completely missed, even if you were following Starfield. 
So we're going to dig pretty deep and um, for most of them. And uh, this will be fun. Isra and I don't know what each other picked. So you don't know what I picked, Isra, and I don't know what you picked. Um, in the event that we picked some of the same things, we have a couple backup picks. So we should have 10 things to talk about. So that'll be kind of the, the body of this show in, in the absence of, of news from Bethesda. So I'm excited. Do you want to kick it off with your first pick? Uh, yes. So my first detail is... Now, we know how the rockets kick off, right? In the E3 2021 teaser? Yeah. I love the detail. They're all in sync. Like, you, you can't really see the front engines. But if you look carefully... It's all in sync, and it's it's uh, that that's a detail that you have to kind of look for. And like I, they all the engines fire at the same time. Yeah, like in full sync. Like I know oh, that's, that's cool. probably how rockets work in general, but because they're separate engines, and it's oh, I don't know, it's mm. it's cool to know that about that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good one. All it takes is a little miscalculation and um, going upside down back into the planet's surface. Yeah, uh, engines turn around and you start drilling instead of uh, ascending. <laughs> drilling instead of ascending, that's funny. My first pick is very surface level, but uh, hear me out. I think it's I think it's a decent one, and I'll explain why. I'm picking the warp at the end of the 2018 teaser um, because all the things we've been shown in the last year are super grounded and look like they could exist in the real world. And they're all being shown on the backdrop of that first 2018 trailer where we see this fantastical display unlike anything we've ever seen in real life. So I think the significance of that event, whether it was a one-time occurrence or a routine jump to faster than light travel, is hard to overstate. There was a reason that that was one of the very first things Bethesda showed us. We saw the planet, we saw the space station, and then we saw that warp thing. So I think it's easy to forget because it's been almost four years at this point since we first saw it. But it's important to keep that in mind because that is unlike anything else we've seen. It's it's not realistic in the sense that it could be it's not something we could expect to achieve in the near future at all. It's very, like I said, fantastical. So it's easy to get into the mind frame of like it's a super realistic space sim, but um, there is that element to it. So that's my first detail. For my second one, um, there might be onions on the sandwich and. Most of mine are going to be from the EFU trailer. But no, nobody's believing me. But I think it looks like an onion. Uh, on the Starfield sandwich. And on the YouTube video, I'm probably going to have a visual of what I mean. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm almost convinced that's an onion. Because even if it's on the same layer as the salami, onions can kind of like... They're not very big. So, yeah. that That's going to be my second detail. I, I believe there's onions on the Starfield sandwich. That is interesting. You know, I feel bad for the protagonist if there are onions on that sandwich because they eat the sandwich, put on their space helmet, and then are breathing into it. And that onion oh, breath no. has got oh, to no. stink up the helmet. 
that is interesting though. It also opens up legit questions about um, where the, all this agriculture is coming from. My second pick is um, in that same scene, actually, uh, right next to the sandwich. We talked about yeah, the gun that gets laid down on the table earlier. I briefly mentioned it. Um, that gun, if you zoom in on it super close and are watching the video in 4K, you can actually see the manufacturer and what type of, of weapon it is. I couldn't see this because I don't have a 4K display, but um, it was again Oda and Ad Astra Starfield who were able to give me a screenshot and get this info to me. So the it's a Grendel model lightweight personal defense weapon by Combat Tech. And it's Combat Tech one word with just one T. Um, we also know what type of ammunition it uses. Um, I'm not an expert in firearms, so not exactly sure what that meant but um the gun itself is modeled kind of close to a p90 and i do remember seeing on reddit that the type of ammunition is not what a p90 uses but um yeah yeah second details that you can you can pick up some cool details on the uh, on the gun or i guess it's the um fourth detail so my third point is like, look at Vasco, right? Like, just picture Vasco. If you're watching the YouTube version, you'll see Vasco. So, Vasco, the way he's built, he looks like he could carry, like, a few tons, right? Yeah. So, I think maybe Vasco's purpose is for, like, hauling heavy equipment. Because I think he's mm -hmm. got, like, a... He's got, like, hook things on... Hook, hook things, that's a very uh, vague description. Um, but, you know, like, his overall kind of shape, it looks like he's got long arms, it looks like, it, like he's built for something like carrying crates or something. And then that leaves me outside the detail. Maybe Vasco could be safe if you're on delivery, if you go on a uh, delivery quest and there's a crate. Well, you can't carry a crate, can you? Or Vasco can. Vasco just waddles on into your ship with a with a crate, puts it in there, hold. That's a detail that goes into a theory, so, so that was a bit different. But yeah, that, that's that's my third detail. The way Vasco's built, it looks very much like Vasco could carry a, a few crates or stuff or something. You know, that last point about Vasco carrying things that you can't opens the door to protection missions. You gotta protect Vasco before he takes too much damage while he carries something. Oh no, and it's got the health bar. Yeah. And he failed the quest. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That's a cool one though. He does have that very like beefy build. Seems like it could be built yeah, for that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of room at the front. Hmm. Very good. My next one is uh, that. This is another one of those things that you may have missed early on or forgotten about. And I feel like since last E3, we've gotten a lot of new Starfield fans on board, which is awesome, but they may not be familiar with all the things we learned in 2018. So we do know that Bethesda visited SpaceX in 2017 or 2018. And that was mentioned in the Todd Howard, Elon Musk talk. So if you want a further idea of where they might be getting their inspiration for, for visuals and 
science explanations of how things work, um, that's a great place to go. Is that Howard and Elon talk? And we don't know how many of them went. We know Todd went. We know probably some other people went. But um, they toured the SpaceX facility and think got to ask people questions about how some things work and stuff. So just a, that's a cool little detail that, again, just gives an idea about how they're building the world. That's the interview where we got our first like proper law drop, right? Yeah, Helium 3. The community went wild on that one for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. Uh, for my for my fourth detail, when the player leaves like the living quarters ship, they open this heavy door, which is probably an airlock, but is it see? I think it might be sealing off um the cabin where most of the pressure might be, and then that protects the living quarters maybe. Um, it's really hard to tell because we don't get a good look at it. But you got like that heavy duty door the player opens to get to the uh, cockpit. And that's like bringing up airlocks from, what was it, last episode? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's a cool detail. You probably already knew that, but why not bring it up again? My next one is perfect for all of us lore buffs. Some people worried, you know, there might not be lore. According to an article from the Washington Post about Starfield, Bethesda has also created a lore timeline with details for what happens in every decade between now and when the game takes place, 2330. How amazing is that to hear? It is music to my ears. They're holding the lore hostage. <laughs> Release the timeline. Release the Todd cut. <laughs> I wonder if the timeline will work like in the 2020s, the James Webb Space Telescope was was launched. And then, so if it'll like start with real world things. And then, you know, in the 2040s, the James Webb Space Telescope discovers life in Alpha Centauri or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the transition from like really near future to, to medium and long-term future works. Because if the game is received the way that it's being designed, People will be playing the game during periods in this timeline. So it might be a little little awkward in 20 or 30 years when you, you see something in the timeline for the 2040s and think, oh, that hasn't happened. But anyway, it's a work of fiction, so that's fine. Alternate timeline stuff. Uh, for my next point, or oh, my last detail, sorry. It's not really a hidden detail but like the musician poster on the ship i believe it's a woman with a like a i think it's is it a cello or violin it's 2330 and people still listen to classical music there's still hope for humanity <laughs> constellations hope but people still listen to classical music that's great in my book but yeah, I, I I haven't seen too much people looking at the musician poster. So I, I do hope we hear some nice classical music in Starfield at some point. Classical music will never die, I don't think. 
That's a really good pick because I remember Todd talking about while talking about how they're going to build this world. One of the things he said as an example, what kind of entertainment do they like? So we kind of have that answer through that musician poster. I like that one. So my final answer is um, from the trailer. In the little shot, this is actually the the shot with the watch case. Uh, There are those two books on the left side. And people did kind of pay attention to this. I think most people picked up on the fact that those are real books. But um, one of them, I think, is a huge hint to an important part of the lore. So the book is called Omega, The Last Days of the World, and it appears in the trailer. It's the one on the far left. It was written in 1894 by Camille Flammarion. Sorry if I butchered that name. And in the book, a comet collides with Earth. So the placement of the the book, I think, is a huge hint at the fate of Earth. I think Earth is gone, probably. That's that's my theory, uh, mainly because of that book. But I'm thinking, if we can go to Seoul in the game, will we fly through like the Terran asteroid field? Thank you, Isra, for for providing that word, Terran. That means like from Earth. I had no idea. But I think that could be a cool thing, like, you know, the remains of Earth. Maybe there's like old skyscrapers or something floating through space that make like jungle gyms to fly around in in weightless combat. But there's a lot of directions they could go with that. But the point is, I think this book probably tells us what happens to Earth. It'd be kind of, yeah, because if they put Earth in, then it, it's very safe. In in my view, it'd be pretty safe to include something like Earth in science fiction. Like, you, we've seen Earth in Star Trek. Um, Mass Effect. Send the Milky Way, so they go to Earth. I think we've seen Earth quite a few times. And as far as I know, we're overdoing the extinction event, so they could easily write one in in the next 309 years. Because they say 300, but it's more closer to 309, 308. Yeah, yes, I, I calculated that as well. But that... I'm going off topic again. Um, But that reminds me of Todd Howard at E3. Uh, 2015, where he said, and then you emerge 200 years later as the sole survivor of Vault 111. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. But it's actually 210 years. And nobody knew that until launch. Even Pete Hines said just 200 years on Twitter, I believe. So they're saying 300, but I think that's just rounding it up. Mm. But it's closer to 309, but this year it will be 308. Which is still 300 years. You know, I just thought it would be cool to do, do the math on it. Right. Yeah. And hopefully, by the time we're done playing the game, it'll be less than 300. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping this game is something really special. I think it will be, like, for real. And I've felt that way. Oh, my gosh. I've said it before, but I've been paying attention to this game since the trademark filing. I was 13 years old when I, like, 
first caught wind that Bethesda might be making a game called Starfield. Now I can drink, and the game's still not out. But I'm st- I'm still like just as hyped as I was. So it's crazy. It's been a huge part of my life. It's weird. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even Lawfield is fairly recent. Yeah. I still vividly, and I'm always probably going to remember how we started. <laughs> yeah, why don't you give the uh, Starfield origin story? Or a uh, Lawfield origin story? I, don't, I, don't, I think I've talked about it before. I'm not sure. Uh, but we have some new listeners, so we can do it again. Yeah. So... I made a Reddit post in like early 2020. And I was like, oh, so what should we call uh, the law community? You know, as a joke on, you know, the Starfield subreddit. And then someone put in the comments, r slash lawfield. And I was going to make it, but my account was really new. So I couldn't do it. And then Mitch made it. And I was like, oh, this could be something. So I like instantly like DM Mitch. I was like, "Oh my god, can can I like join this and be a part of this?" And he was like, "Sure." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and then the rest is history. I made some bold decisions for Lawfield, and Mitch was like, "That's good. That, that, those are good ideas." And then that's how we started the podcast. Have a Twitter. We've expanded the Lawfield. It's a joke. I was really glad you reached out because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. From the beginning, I had big plans for Lawfield. I think it was in the first few months I had ideas for podcasts and stuff, but we didn't do it for a whole year. And the first few months, it was getting people on board. It's so incredible to be a part of this community. Like, I might really love Tesla, but I think Starfield could be something special in my heart. In terms of law. I mean, oh man, this episode's the feels have gotten strong. Oh man. Before I tear up too much, I'm going to circle back to the earth thing. <laughs> I wonder if there's no existential threat to earth, then what incentive is there to colonize the Milky Way and get out of the solar system? You know what I mean? Like if things are fine and dandy on Earth, if there's no extinction event or, or asteroid or, or climate change, or if, if nothing is threatening the, the well-being and, and the existence of Earth, I don't, I don't see why we would have colonized the settled systems. I think you need that inciting thing. And I'm thinking this book probably suggests that it was a meteor. That seems the most likely option. Unless a supervolcano erupts at full magnitude. <laughs> I, I think I used that phrasing right. But like supervolcanoes, they can like... They could they could be a mass extinction event, you know, blocking out the sun and stuff. In the US, there's a huge supervolcano um, in Yellowstone National Park. And um, if that were to erupt, there's a website. It's like a map and you can see... Uh, how thick the ash would be wherever you are. And Yellowstone is in the western United States. I grew up on the east coast, and where I grew up would be covered in 11 feet of ash if Yellowstone were to erupt. So before, before I learned that, I was thinking like, 
volcano eruption that won't be like extinction event you know how bad could it be it gets a little hot for a few years or something but uh no my house would be buried and it wouldn't be like being buried in snow no because it would be scalding hot so there are 10 details that you may have missed here's a little challenge if you learn something new about starfield in one of those details then you have to share the podcast what do you think yeah yeah i I agree with that (laughs) oh we're kidding of course feel free to but um we won't hold you again hold you to that i think it's time to move on to our next part of the show if you're ready uh yep all right so we like to close the show as always um with a recommendation of some kind a work of fiction uh it can be any medium that we think might scratch the Starfield itch. So, Israel, do you have your pick for the month? I do. All right, hit us. So I'm going to recommend Fallout 3. And I recommend you play on the Xbox if you can, because it will run a lot better. Uh, You can, it's fairly, you can get it running on PC, obviously. So I'm not saying... Only put it on Xbox, um, uh, just a mild suggestion if you have an Xbox. It runs great on uh, back and back. Or if you have a Series X um, or S, you can play it at 60 frames now, so that's neat. It was the first time Bethesda Game Studios made a game outside of Elder Scrolls as an internal studio. So it has that, they're doing something new feel. It's something different. And overall, I really like the story. There's the Liam Neeson's in it. Back when Bethesda liked, uh, had celeb- big celebrities in their uh, games. I recommend Fallout 3 this month. That is a great pick. <laughs> big celebrities in their games like Tom Cruise. Well, they haven't ruled out Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think Pete might have ruled it out. But either way, that is an awesome pick. I got to pick up Fallout 3 again because that game is legendary. I guess I shouldn't spoil it since this is a recommendation for people who haven't played it. But there's there's that moment on top of Tenpenny Tower that is just so iconic. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been up there a few times. It's a great view. It's beautiful. My pick for this month is another open world game. It's the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, There's a little bit of a barrier because you need a Switch to play it. But um, if you do have a Switch and have not played Breath of the Wild, you need to. Because it's incredible. It's four or five years old and it's already kind of solidified itself as like, you know, like Hallmark, like legendary game, kind of in the way Skyrim did. Huge open world, so much to do, really great quests, um, some really cool uh, systems. I really like the weapon system where like you can pick up a tree, a tree branch, and that can be your weapon, um, but it'll break after like three hits. Or you can find a sword and it'll break after a lot more hits, um, but everything eventually breaks. And unless I'm missing something, I don't think you can really repair them. So you're constantly trying to find new weapons. You can't like, if you find like the best weapon in the game, um, that's not just what you can stick with for the rest of your run. So um, I really like the way that works. And um, 
just the openness and exploration of it really uh, gets you in the mood for Starfield. And there's a sequel coming, so a great time to play it. Do you have much experience with Breath of the Wild? I have no experience with Breath of the Wild. Oh, really? It's on my list. I do have a Switch, and I need to get it at some point. Mm. I think it's still $60, which is kind of off-putting, but yeah, if it ever goes on sale, you should definitely try it. So uh, I think we've reached the end then. This was a very fun show, despite the lack of news. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I do want to give a quick shout out to the Starfield Countdown on Twitter. They, on their own accord, made a very, very nice tweet about us and dropped a bunch of links to their their many followers. So that meant so much. Thank you again. Starfield Countdown, by the way, if you aren't following them, that is a great hub for the Starfield community. Really cool Twitter account there, at Starfield underscore count, I believe. So I guess, uh, do you have any closing thoughts or comments? Uh, no, no. Alrighty then. So uh, thank you so much again, everyone, for listening. Um, you can find us on uh, Reddit at r slash uh, Lorefield, of course. Uh, we are LorefieldNet on Twitter, uh, Lorefield on YouTube. We've got a bunch of others, Lorefield Network on Spotify, Check us out, follow, share if you're so inclined. We will see you next month with lots of more good Starfield content. Bye, all.